I'm Jimmy Pauls, and for the next hour, we will take a look at technology from a blindness perspective. This week, we begin a series on using iTunes from the keyboard. Next, Tim Cummings reviews the Micport Pro USB microphone preamp. Lastly, Earl Harris of HandyTech North America talks about his company and the new mobile access payment program, whereby a person can purchase software for their mobile phone over a 6 or 12 month period. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. We're going to begin a multi-part series on the discussion of iTunes. iTunes from the keyboard. We're going to look at it from a JAWS user's perspective. Then we're going to take a look at iTunes from a Windowize user's perspective, and then we'll take a look at the program from a system access user's perspective. When we begin to discuss iTunes, we have to ask ourselves a question. What does accessible really mean? And along with that, I will give you an old adage. Be careful what you wish for, because sometimes you just might get it. Now, you are probably asking yourself, what on earth does that have to do with the discussion of iTunes or any other program for that matter? Well, iTunes is a little bit difficult to use. It's a little bit quirky. It is not as standard as many programs that we have become accustomed to using. But it is usable, and I think we will see that as we look a little bit further here. I can remember the first time that iTunes came out, the first day that it came out. I had been using the original Napster, the old file sharing service. That was before the court said that is a no-no, it's really illegal, and if you do it, you're going to get in trouble. When the courts finally ruled that that was not legal, I stopped using it, and I was quite willing to pay for the opportunity to download tracks and to purchase tracks. I was willing to do it legally. And so when iTunes first came out, I can remember being really excited, and I downloaded the program only to discover that it was virtually unusable. Now, as it turns out, uh, it was a little more usable than I had originally thought, because people such as uh, Anna Dresner, who writes for National Braille Press, began to write books such as uh, you know, The iPod Experience, talked about using the iPod Shuffle, and uh, gave some really great information about using iTunes. And Brian Hartgen, who is now with TNT Consultancy, began to write scripts for iTunes. I purchased those scripts in the early days, and I don't think Brian would mind me saying that that was really a rough time. The scripts were great, but iTunes kept being updated frequently, and the scripts would break. Brian would have to go back to the drawing board, fix things, and uh, it was it was tough going in those early days. I finally became kind of discouraged with using iTunes. I gave up on it. I actually began using Anapod Explorer with my iPod Shuffle and didn't really consider iTunes for a long time. Along about the time of Windows 7.0, GW Micro announced that they had been engaging in a dialogue with Apple 
and that iTunes version 8 was now much more accessible from the keyboard than it had ever been previously. Again, I was excited. I had been using services such as Rhapsody, which is really my favorite online service as far as streaming audio content, listening to that, listening to albums and that sort of thing. But I, again, became excited about iTunes, and I downloaded it and found that, yeah, in fact, it really was quite accessible. And not only was it accessible with Window Eyes, but with any other major screen reader that you want to use without scripts. Scripts are not a requirement. Now, when we talk about using iTunes with JAWS, we're going to look at the scripts from TNT Consultancy. Uh, they're going to give us quite a bit more feedback, and they actually uh, provide quite a bit of user uh, enhancements as well. We're not going to focus on those so much, as we are just using the program straight, as if we were not using scripts. But those scripts are going to help us out as we begin to learn the program and to become familiar with the program. One of the things, when I first uh, downloaded the version of iTunes that was much more accessible, one of the things I noticed was um, that the iTunes Music Store area was still a little bit tough to use, especially in areas such as entering credit card information and that sort of thing. I had to turn browse mode off to even interact with the iTunes Store Selecting credit card information was really hit and miss. Uh, it was really difficult to do. Today, that's much more accessible. Credit cards show up as links, and um, you're even told which link is selected. Perhaps not the most standard approach to updating credit card information, but it certainly works. And we will see in this demonstration that using the iTunes Store itself is quite accessible and quite a pleasure. So, we are going to begin using iTunes again with JAWS. We currently have the TNT Consultancy scripts installed. Desk. And we're going to iTunes. move to iTunes on the desktop and press Enter. Now, the program is quite resource intensive. I'm using a 2.66 gigahertz Pentium 4 with 2 Not gigabytes iTunes. of RAM. And uh, it takes a little while for the program to to load up. So we'll give it a second here. And um, while we're waiting for that to happen, and I suspect it actually already has, let me double check here. Title is Desktop iTunes. And in fact, it, it had. Um, one of the things we need to know about iTunes is that you have basically three areas that you really work with. The first area is a source list. That's going to allow you to select things such as music, podcasts, radio stations, the iTunes Music Store, audiobooks, that sort of thing. Then if you tab, you're going to find a search box. And that search box is going to allow you to filter searches, especially in your iTunes library. If you have a large number of tracks in that library, then you're going to really want to use the search feature to filter your selection. Then if you keep tabbing you're going to find uh, the item list which depending on what you've chosen in your source list is going to be populated with the results of what are in that list. So for example if you're on music then um, you're going to 
find in your item list the list of tracks in your iTunes library. If you keep tabbing, then you're going to find some buttons, some of which are useful, some of which are not, and we'll take a look at that um, shortly. But that's basically what iTunes looks like. It's important to also be aware that without scripts, a lot of the keyboard functionality that we've come to appreciate in iTunes is, or well, that we've come to appreciate in programs in general, is not present in iTunes. So for example, home does not take you to the top of a list, in does not take you to the bottom of the list, um, page up and page down don't move you through sections of a list of items, some of the things that we would expect to find. Also, if you're doing something like selecting tracks to add to a playlist, you might be tempted to think that you could choose non-contiguous items with control space, and then you know choose use the arrow key with the control key held down, find another item you want to select and hit the space bar again with control selected, and choose non-contiguous items that way. That also does not work in iTunes because control up and down arrow adjust the volume in iTunes and the spacebar toggles the playing and pausing of tracks. So you're going to need to use the shift up and down arrow keys. If you really want to learn how to use iTunes and you're serious about it and you really want to, to delve in, I would suggest that you go to TNT Consultancy's website, that's T-A-N-D-T-Consultancy.com, and download the documentation for the JTunes scripts. Even if you're not a JAWS user, or even if you are a JAWS user and you don't think that you're going to purchase the scripts, I would suggest that you might change your mind if you're a JAWS user and you're serious about iTunes. But even if you don't have any affiliation with JAWS whatsoever, the documentation for those scripts gives a lot of great information about using iTunes. And the documentation goes so far as to tell you how you can expect the program to behave with the scripts and what you can expect without scripts. So it's a great resource. Also, another excellent place to go is the Portable Player mailing list if you enjoy mailing lists and if you like learning that way you can send a message to portable-player-request at freelists.org with the word subscribe in the subject and nothing in the body of the message. Brian Hartgen is the host of that mailing list. Uh, Woody Anna Dresner is on that list and posts frequently. So there's a really great group of people who have a lot of information who can share quite a bit of knowledge if you are wanting to become a power user of iTunes or of other services as well. It's not just strictly related to iTunes or the iPod, as the name Portable Player would suggest. But a couple of great resources to, to get you started. This uh, presentation, or this series of presentations, is actually intended to be an overview, although it may serve as a semi-tutorial for some people. Uh, I really intend it to be more of an overview to show the functionality of iTunes and what's possible. So we are sitting in iTunes, and just to make sure that we know where we are, I'm going to press MU quickly. Music. And in fact, we are in the music section of our source list, and that's a great place to be.
I'm going to press tab. Search edit. And we are certainly in the area where we can filter the results of our iTunes library. I'm going to type the word wow, W-O-W, and I'm not going to press enter. That's not necessary. I will tell you that the tracks I'm looking for are off of a Praise and Worship CD that I imported into iTunes, uh, Wow Worship. And so that is why I was able to easily filter my search. If I press tab again, Item list, 17 items, not selected, give it all away, 336, Aaron, just wow, it's 2008, left bracket, bonus tracks, right bracket, left bracket, disc one, right bracket. Okay, there's a lot of information there. One reason why there's a lot of information is because I have chosen to have several things shown in this view. Um, control J if you press that will let you decide whether you want to show the artist name, the song title, the album title, the length of the track, that sort of thing. I've chosen to go ahead and have the track title, artist name, track length, and I'm interested in the album name as well. Uh, so you heard all of that information read. Uh, if you press the down, first of all you heard that it was not selected and that's kind of an important thing to know when you tab into these list views, many times things are not selected automatically. So I'm going to press down arrow. Give it all away, 336 Aaron, just wow, it's 2008. I'm going to stop that. We know now that that track is selected. I'm going to press enter to play the track. Search my heart. Search I'm going to press the space bar to pause playing of the track. Again, control up arrow would increase the volume, control down arrow would decrease the volume. The nice thing about iTunes is that you can decrease or increase the volume of a track independently of your speech. So I can play music, go off and do other things, keep the music at a desirable level since I don't have a braille display hooked up to this PC and uh, hear my speech with no difficulty at all. If we press tab from the item list Play button. That's pretty self-explanatory. We'll keep going. Volume left right slider 92%. It's nice to be able to change and see the volume level from here. You can use right and left arrow to adjust the volume if you'd like. List view button. List view. I would recommend that you set items to the list view as opposed to the grid view. It's not mandatory, but I think it wouldn't surprise anyone to know that that's actually a better way to view things. Also, it's important to know that this is not a global setting, so you will need to make this selection in different areas of the program, so you can't just set it and forget it, unfortunately. We'll keep tabbing. Button. Cover flow view switcher button. Many of these things are going to be visual. New playlist button. We'll talk about playlists later. Do not shuffle button. No repeat button. Show artwork button. Status area. 17 songs. 1.1 hours. 78.7 MB. It's kind of nice um, when you're, you know, viewing an album to be able to uh, look at the status area and see how many tracks there are, um, 
how long the playtime is, you know, what the size of the album is on disk, and you can do that for your entire library. If you don't filter your search, you'll see um, what the size of your entire library is that way. Source list music. And then we find ourselves back in the source list. The next thing we're going to do is to take a look at some other areas of the source list, and we're going to stop on radio stations. So let's arrow down. Movies. I've not played with this at all. You can purchase and rent movies from iTunes. TV shows. You can do the same with television shows. Podcasts. It's been a long time since I've played with podcasts. That's actually something I intend to do in the near future. But uh, it hasn't been real successful in the past, but I understand that the facility has improved quite a bit as far as accessibility is concerned. I tend to use um, Internet Explorer version 8 for my RSS needs. Radio. Radio. That's exactly what we want. Let's tab. Item list. 28 items in group. Alternative. So we're going to arrow down. Alternative. Closed. Ambient. Closed. Blues. Closed. Classic rock. Closed. Classical. Closed. College slash university radio. Closed. Comedy. Closed. Country. Closed. Dance. Closed. Eclectic. Closed. Electronic. Closed. Folk. Closed. Golden oldies. Hip-hop. Hits of the set. Holidays. Closed. International. Jazz. Latino. Pop. Public. Reggae. Closed. Religious closed. Get the idea that I kind of skipped through that list a little bit. There's quite a bit there, which is a good thing if you want to listen to radio stations on iTunes. Everything is closed currently, so I want to expand the religious item. Religious open 23 of 28. Okay. Now I'm going to press down arrow to move into the list of religious stations. Abiding radio dash instrumental. Okay. I know what I want. I want. Uh, a religious radio station called K-Love, so I'm just going to press the letter K. K-Love left parent bitrate right parent 128k BPS left parent comment right parent positive and encouraging K-Love. We're going to press enter on that to play this uh, this stream, and I'm going to stop it almost as soon as it starts to play. I've got to make a change. You can see that was very quick. Uh, sometimes you'll hear the message getting playlist but we didn't hear anything that time. If we tab... Previous button. Play button. Next button. Volume left-right slider. Status area. K-love. That tells you the name of the radio station. Status area. Nicole C. Mullen-talk about it. The information about what is currently playing is not always accurate. And um, I've just verified that. Play that's button. Next button. Volume left. Case. Status area. K dash status area. Matthew West dash the motions. There we go. Now that's going correct now. Sometimes when I tab over to the now playing section, it doesn't announce anything at all, and I have to um, play around a little bit to, you know, with the mouse movement commands to to try to read uh, what is playing. So that's definitely not as reliable as I would like for it to be. Status area, browser, button, button, new playlist, show artwork, status area, 100, source list, radio. But the good news is, it is quite easy to listen to radio stations, and um, it is quite enjoyable, in my opinion, to, to do so. We have time to do one more thing in this first presentation, 
And so we're going to take a quick look at the iTunes Music Store. So we're going to arrow down from radio. iTunes Store. You quickly heard a sound. I call it a swishing sound. I'm not really sure that that's an accurate description, but it works for me. It's the sound that iTunes makes when a page is loading in its browser. That can actually be quite helpful uh, at times. Now, I'm going to, again, the search feature is going to be our friend um, with the iTunes store. So I'm going to press tab. Search iTunes store edit. And I know that I want to find an artist, uh, Chris Tomlin. So I typed his name. I'm going to press enter. Please wait. And we will wait as instructed. We heard the browser. Virtual PC cursor. Power search link. Virtual PC cursor. Power search link. Search results are ready. Nice. Um, nice information. We can just down arrow. Blank. Heading level 2 artists. Link Chris Tomlin. And I know that is exactly what I want right there. You might be tempted to use the tab key, but that's not a good idea because that will take you to different parts of the program of iTunes. So you're going to need to use the arrow keys or heading level commands to move around in the iTunes store. So I'm going to press enter on Chris Tomlin. And we'll not have to wait too long, I don't think. Sometimes you get feedback. Sometimes you just kind of have to wait what you think is a reasonable amount of time which appears to be what we're going to have to do in this case, and then you can arrow down. Link selected tab colon music. Um, I noticed that iTunes is pretty good about telling you things that are selected. Link tab colon music videos. Link tab colon on blank. Heading level 2 albums. Alright. Page 1 of 1 sort by colon. Link graphic hello love. Chris Tomlin artwork. Link hello love. And I press down arrow to get past the artwork. I know that Hello Love is exactly what I want, so I'm going to press Enter on that. <laughs> and we'll wait a little bit, although I really don't know that it's necessary. Let's just go ahead and use the down arrow key. Visited link graphic Hello Actually, Love, let's, um, Christian and God. Let's use. Uh, the letter H. iTunes review heading level 2. Okay. I actually went a little too far. Um, but that actually is okay because one of the things you can do is read reviews of albums. Heading level 2 iTunes review. There's no ambiguity about Chris Tomlin's mission. M his songs are meant to praise God and inspire others to do the same. Hello, love. Tomlin's seventh album. Album comma. Those reviews are quite good, I think. I find them. And it's really nice to be able to move among reviews with heading keys. Uh, heading level command keys. I so let's go back up here. Um, iTunes store heading level one link visited. iTunes review heading link graphic iTunes plus. Okay. Visited heading. Let's, let's back up here with the up arrow key a little bit. Blank. Visited heading level one link Chris Tomlin. I'm down arrowing now. Visited link graphic hello love Christian and gospel artwork. Visited link hello love. Link genre colon Christian and gospel. Released Sept 02, 2008 left parent P right parent by EMI Christian Music Group. Graphic iTunes Plus. $9.99. By album Hello Love, Chris Tomlin colon $9.99 button. I love the way those buttons read because it tells you everything you need to know right there on that buy button. 
iTunes Plus means that uh, there is no DRM, digital rights management, protection on these tracks. So any player that plays the iTunes uh, format is able to play these tracks. And uh, pretty much all of the subscription services are moving away from DRM. I know Rhapsody is. I'm not so sure about uh, Napster just because I haven't played with it but certainly um, iTunes is as well. I think iTunes may have been the, the latecomer to the party, but that's okay. They've arrived. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, I actually want to purchase this album, to be honest with you. I have not done so yet, so I'm going to press enter on this buy button. iTunes dialog. Sign in to download from the iTunes store if you have an Apple account. Enter your Apple ID and password. Otherwise, if you... Okay. Password colon pass... I think Apple ID colon edit Jamiah Yes, my ID is already there. Password blank blank. And the password is not filled in. Visited link. Visited link. Hello. Love. Cancel button. Alt ah, plus C. Okay. Buy button. Alt plus B. I do want to purchase it, so I'm going to go ahead and press enter on that. But what if you're not sure that you want to purchase this album, and maybe you just want to view or purchase individual tracks? How do we go about doing that? Well, that's a fair question. If you're sitting on the album, as for lack of a better way to put it, as I am, you can press F6. Item list, 13 items, not selected, sing, 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 three. And you can actually... Um, Look at each track. You can press enter to play a 30-second clip from each track. If you right-click on the track, one of the things you can do is purchase it. So never fear. You don't have to um, settle for just buying an entire album. It is um, really quite pleasant to purchase things from the iTunes store. One thing that I've noticed about downloading albums from iTunes is that even with my computer running two gigabytes of RAM, or running with two gigabytes of RAM, I've noticed that it is extremely slow downloading an album and my computer becomes almost unusable. Um, I need to do some research to see you know, what can be done to improve that situation. One of the th things that I have noticed is that if you go to the downloads area in your source list, there's a checkbox that says to allow simultaneous downloads, and I've not unchecked that and tried downloading that way. I'm going to do some research and ask some questions, and perhaps in the next part of this presentation we can talk about that a little more. In the next part of our iTunes discussion, we're going to look at how to find the album that I just purchased. Where is it located? How do we get to it? That's actually pretty easy. We'll take a look at a couple ways of doing that. We will also take a look at creating some playlists, and we will talk about how to burn those to CD if you'd like to. That's just kind of a little bit of what is to come in our next iTunes discussion. I urge you to explore the resources provided earlier, the portable player list, or perhaps the JTunes documentation, or the iTunes help files themselves. We are learning together, you and I, in this discussion of iTunes. So stay tuned, and until next time, happy listening. Hi there, Main Menu listeners. This is Tim Cummings, and today I would like to tell you about a great 
little USB microphone preamp called the MicPort Pro, made by a company called Centrance. That's C-E-N-T-R-A-N-C-E. And at the end of this demonstration, I will give you their contact information. The MicPort Pro is a small USB microphone preamp. It is 4.5 inches long. That's about... Uh, 11.4 centimeters for those of you who don't live in the US. It's 1.9 inches in width, 4.8 centimeters, and it's 2 inches or about 5 centimeters high. So that's how small it is. Oh, and it weighs 2.2 ounces, 62 grams. So it's a very, very small device. At one end of the device, is a three-pin female XLR connector. Now, XLR connectors are the kind of connectors that you will find on higher quality consumer grade or professional audio microphones. Most mics have an XLR male connector on, on the end of the microphone. This USB microphone preamp has a female connector, so you could actually either directly plug a microphone into it or you can plug a cable into it and plug the microphone into the cable. So at one end of this MicPort Pro, you have a XLR uh, three-pin female connector. On the top of the unit, if you look at it, you will see two volume controls. The volume control closest to the end of the unit that's got the XLR connector is the microphone volume control, the preamp control. And the volume control closest to the other end is the headphone volume control. If you look down to the other end of the uh, unit, you will see a 1 8 or 3.5 millimeter stereo headphone jack, also a mini connector for a USB cable. This unit comes with a six foot long USB cable and a push button for 48 volt phantom power. Now a lot of these professional or semi-professional mics take something that's called 48 volt phantom power and they usually get this from some mixers that you can buy have have this 48 volt phantom power built into them or you can also buy external boxes that can power the microphones however this preamp has its own 48 volt phantom power generates it internally and gets it from the usb port of your computer so you can power these microphones without any batteries or any other devices other than this little usb preamp this preamp will run under Windows XP or run under Vista or Apple Mac Macintosh's uh, OS X 10.5. So it runs under all those op under all those operating systems and also under USB 1.1 or 2.0. Now I'm using this preamp right now with my Audio Technica AT804, which is an omnidirectional dynamic microphone. So I've got the preamp gain turned up pretty high, but uh, it it uh, it does a nice job. It is a very quiet preamp. It's very easy to use. You can just plug it into your USB port, and your system will automatically recognize it. In my case, I have Windows XP uh, Media Edition, and automatically recognized it. Out of the box, it comes with a sample rate set for 96 kilohertz and 24 kbps kilobits per second which is a very high sampling rate however you can download a free driver from Centrance's website so you can adjust the sampling rate either to 88 kilohertz 48 kilohertz or 44 kilohertz now the other great thing about this unit is not only is it a microphone preamp but you can also use it as a sound card because i mentioned before that it has a 
headphone jack built in. Now you'd say, why does it have a headphone jack built in? Well, one reason is whenever you're using a USB audio device, like a USB sound card or whatever, there is a problem that you can experience called latency, which is that there is a delay between the time that your audio goes into the computer and when it comes out of the computer. And so this preamp has a headphone jack on the end of it so that you can actually monitor what you're recording in real time. What you can also do is you can tell your recording software of choice, whether that's Goldwave that you're using or Sony SoundForge or whatever, to use this preamp as an output device as well as an input device. So in effect, what you have is a USB sound card. And this is great if you're in a situation where, for example, you've got some karaoke tracks and you want to lay vocals over them. You can play the tracks and sing along with them. It's a great piece of gear for a podcasting setup if you've got nice microphones that you want to use with your computer or if you're on the road and you have a laptop and you want to do recording. Now, people might ask, well, why, why do I need a device like this? What's the point of getting a USB uh, microphone preamp for professional or semi-professional microphones? If I've got an XLR regular microphone with an XLR cable, can't I get a cable that's got an XLR female connector on one end and an eighth inch connector on the other so that I can just plug it into my regular sound card? And the answer is yes. You could do that. However, there can be problems with that. One problem, of course, is if the microphone that you're using needs phantom power, then you can't record with it into your computer unless you've got some way of generating that phantom power. Another problem is, is that some of these microphones, there is an impedance mismatch between the microphones and the regular computer sound cards so that you're not going to get a lot of necessarily a lot of audio out of your final recording and you might have a low audio quality. Frankly, some computers don't have great sound cards in them and the preamps in the sound cards are pretty noisy. So this is a very nice small solution that can be used with a multitude of microphones. Now there are USB microphones now that you can purchase that will plug right into your computer and, and work very well. But this is nice if you've already got some favorite microphones that you've always wanted to use with your computer. This is a very nice way to use those microphones in your system. I'm very pleased with it and very pleased that I purchased it because I have a myriad of microphones here that I can use with it. This again is the Centrance Mic Port Pro. That's M-I-C-P-O-R-T-P-R-O. -P -P made by Centrance. C-E-N-T-R-A-N-C-E. -E. The price is $150 US. You can get this device from Amazon.com, www.amazon.com. You can also get it from places like Full Compass, which is a uh, broadcast supply store, www.fullcompass.com, or places like Broadcast Supply Worldwide at www.bswusa.com. Centrance's uh, website, if you want more information about the McPort Pro, is www.centrance.com. Trance.com. If you have any questions that you'd uh, like to ask me about the unit, my email address is t h cummings c u m i n g s at comcast.net. For main menu, this is Tim Cummings. Main menu. I'd like to welcome you to Main Menu today. This is the first time I've gotten to chat with you, but I know that uh, Jeff and probably Daryl have visited with you before, so glad to have you on again. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, we've done a little bit of uh, uh, replaying a podcast on Main Menu, and we've also uh, done some live recordings as well, or live broadcasts as well. Last year, 
with the release of the KNFB Reader Mobile, which we are proud distributors of. I have a good friend who has that. I haven't gotten to play with it, but I've heard some really good things. And that kind of brings me to uh, something I was actually going to talk to you about. You've actually done quite a few presentations and podcasts that have been put up different places, haven't you? We have indeed. It's a great uh, way of getting our name out there and, uh, and letting people know what technology is uh, available to them. And it helps that you do really good reviews, too. That kind of makes it a little easy to listen to that way. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So talk to, to us a little bit about some of the products that you guys do sell, because there is a, quite a wide range, actually. <laughs> well, let me go ahead and start out by giving a little bit of background on the company here. Um, just a, a brief overview about myself. I have um, been in the system technology industry uh, for, for a good number of years, uh, in fact, longer than uh, several of our customers have been alive. And... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. We've got customers who are, you know, four or five years old. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, but but uh, I, I am probably pretty well known for the work that I've done uh, with at my time with Hunter Joyce later on Freedom Scientific as uh, the quote-unquote voice of JAWS, uh, having been a part of the uh, development, uh, at least from the, the the installation standpoint of the uh, the, the first ever talking installation uh, on a screen reader. And so that was my voice. It doesn't sound like, that doesn't uh, sound like me uh, anymore <laughs> because they, they finally kicked me off uh, the product about four years after I had left the company. Uh, when I left Freedom Scientific, I um, actually I took a job with the state of Minnesota as a management analyst and I spent a lot of time uh, uh, evaluating websites and and uh, consulting with people on various adaptive technology needs uh, within the state system. And uh, I, I took that job actually with the idea that it was going to eventually sunset. And when it got reauthorized in um, 2005, I decided that it that it wasn't quite for me. I've, I, I had to uh, answer to the entre entrepreneurial spirit uh, that I've always had and uh, in 2000, in June of 2005 we hit the ground running with Triumph Technology. Uh, very shortly thereafter we uh, started selling a product called Mobile Speak Pocket by Code Factory and we were very successful. In fact we quickly became uh, the, the leading distributor of their product in the United States and, um, and we were very pleased with that. And then um, in at CSUN 2006, I, I met with a gentleman uh, by the name of Ziggy Kipke, who is the acting director of HandyTech uh, in Germany. And uh, we were given the privilege of representing their entire line of high-quality Braille displays. And uh, about a year later, we found ourselves uh, with the opportunity to become the actu actually the master distributor for North America for, for the HandyTech line of uh, Braille devices, which we uh, still uh, proudly represent. And uh, our name reflects that and that we've changed um, our name from Triumph Technology to, to HandyTech North America. Uh, so we've had a lot of things happening. Um, we have brought on uh, a good many products. Uh, we're now also national distributors of the Index Braille line of embossers. And um, just in the last year, we 
were brought on to, uh, as uh, distributors of the new, excuse me, distributors of the Nuance communications products, such as uh, Talks Premium and Zooms, and of course, a Wayfinder Access GPS software. So we have a good many offerings, and the list doesn't end there. Um, really encourage folks to visit our website at www.handytech.us uh, to see everything that's going on. Um, we also have a, a 4,000 square foot uh, training facility in Columbia Heights, Minnesota, where we're always offering classes on something or another. Um, we just recently finished with Bill McCann from D Dancing Dots last week on a, on a class um, on, on, the, on their good feel music braille translation software. Even though we don't sell uh, Good Feel or the screen reader that it works with, uh, we still, we still um, recognize that um, there, there's a need for this technology and, and we were able to you know, be the venue for that event. So uh, lots of stuff going on here at eTech. Lots of stuff to keep the, the, you know, the, the boat floating, if you will. That's excellent. Uh, I believe from some of the Saratech podcasts I've listened to that you actually do some work with them as well. Is that correct? We do. And uh, I'm really very excited to say that uh, I think it's, it is public knowledge now that um, the, the Easy Braille from HandyTech, which is a, a 40 cell uh, portable Braille display uh, with uh, ergonomic uh, concave Braille cells. So curved Braille cells and user-replaceable batteries, uh, in the case of the EC Braille, uh, AAA batteries. Wow. It's got Bluetooth support. And uh, so, yes, it's true. You can, you can actually train, exchange your own batteries when they die or in a pinch, pop in some alkalines and you'll be up and running. Uh, there's been some exciting developments around the system access screen reader and the Easy Braille, which now supports the HID protocol. And for those of you who don't know what uh, HID stands for, it stands for Human Interface Device. And uh, at CSUN, uh, we, we, uh, of 2009, we uh, witnessed the, the first uh, uh, Easy Braille to work with system access. So that's coming down the pipe. Very good. Excellent. Well, I think what caught my attention the other day, because I see lots of announcements from you guys and, you know, just tend to, to read them all, but uh, I came across the Mobile Access Payment Program, or MAP. Talk to uh, us, yes. Yeah, talk to us about that a little bit. Okay, well, <laughs> since our inception in, in 2005, we've really lived by the slogan, it's, it's all about adapting. And while initially that was really intended uh, to reflect the idea that we um, adapt mainstream off-the-shelf technologies uh, to be used by people who have low vision or are blind, um, that, that philosophy has a tendency to carry over to other aspects of um, our existence. And, and, and um, one of the things that we've been asked about time and time again, and I would uh, venture to, to say that it's probably on a, at least a, a weekly basis up to the point where we started the MAP program was, do you have a payment plan? Uh, we've been very creative with people. We've, um, there are some people that we've had a history with. We've trusted them. Uh, we've done some, you know, we, we've put ourselves out on a, on a limb and, and um, you know, it, it's been um, a, a good situation. I mean, we, we were able to offer that to a, a few people. Uh, some sort of a payment plan or even a layaway plan for some some folks. 
Um, in today's economy, uh, there's so much emphasis on how bad things are and how difficult the, the economy is. And um, I'm here to tell you that, that um, I'm no Bill Gates over here, you know, selling other people's technologies right. and, and, uh, as, as a dealer. But I decided um, to follow the example of some of the other uh, people, not only in the assistive technology industry, but also in mainstream technology. For example, I was blown away when I was able to go onto the Bose website and buy that uh, iPod dock uh, on a 12 months terms from this company that didn't know me from Adam. <laughs> yeah. They trust. They trusted me. They sent me the product, and now it automatically comes out of my uh, checking account, and that that impressed me. And I'm and uh, I'm also very impressed with the uh, concept. That within our own industry, uh, system access and you know, custom, you know companies such as Serotech and GW Micro have have uh, similar payment programs. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the difference being they're not selling, sending out hardware; they're selling software. Right. And if somebody were to default on that software, then they could you know quickly uh, disrupt their access to the network. In the, in the case of system access, or uh, you know, system access network, or the screen reader. And that that's also true of uh, WindowEyes. You know, they got the least to own program as well. Right. Um, we the difference between us and those companies are that we are not the developers of these these products. Um, we are resellers, or distributors of these products. So this means that uh, we have to purchase this product upfront from the manufacturers. And currently, the products that are represented on the MAP program are all of those being offered by Code Factory and by Nuance Communications. So uh, just to give you the, the, the rundown, um, all the screen readers from Code Factory, whether it be MobileSpeak for the Symbian platform, smartphone, or pocket Windows Pocket PC platform, uh, Mobile Geo is a very popular item because it is kind of spendy. Uh, people are signing up. Uh, we see a lot of response for a 12-month MAP program. We've got a six-month and a 12-month offering on, that, on all of our products that we offer on the MAP program. And of course, with Nuance Communications, we've got Talks and Wayfinder Access. So, um, so, so we actually have to purchase those products before we can resell it. And the way I look at it as the owner of the company is it's, it's an investment. It's an investment that will you know, return a profit eventually. And believe it or not, we are in a, a for-profit industry. Um, and the, the customer gets the technology that they need without having to you know, throw out a, a, a bunch of money that they may not have at the moment. Um, but they can, they can certainly pay it off over time. So we, we've been doing this for a, a few weeks now, and it's been, it's, we're, we're overwhelmed with the response that we've had to it. We're not able to offer any hardware at this time on the MAP program. Um, so any phones that, that um, somebody were to purchase would have to be paid for in full up front. Or you also have the option of purchasing that phone online um, or at your local uh, carrier right. and then sending it to us to install the software. We're, we're, of course, happy to do that. Sure. We're kicking around the idea of offering, you know, already installed packets, you know, smartphone or pocket PC. Right now, the only phones that we carry are the ones that work 
with the KNFB reader. So it's on a Symbian platform, and they're really good phones. Right. Um, the Nokia N82 and the Nokia 6220. I like the N82 personally. I think it's it's uh, it's it's really well constructed. The buttons are very tactile. Right. Um, it's just a real solid phone. It sounds great. Um, both the external speaker and you know when when you're on a call. Um, the 62. It also has Wi-Fi. That, I like that a lot about it too. But the 6220 is no slouch either. I mean that's a a, a very good phone if you don't care that you don't have Wi-Fi, and um, the, the, the keys are a little bit more flush, well, they are flush, um, uh, versus, you know, the N82, which stick out a little bit, makes it easier to feel, so somebody that has uh, some issues with uh, fine motor coordination or, um, you know, dexterity, right. uh, so just some, somebody with diabetic neuropathy might have them, that might not be the phone for you. Sure. So, supposing I go out, buy an N82, download the demo of Talks, and say, you know what, I like this, uh, and contact you guys, and you set me up on the payment program, do I then need to install a key every month, or do I just install the registration key one time? How does that work? You, you install the registration key one time. Uh, we, we Essentially, we uh, send you the, the key that we receive based on your phone serial number, sure. and you activate the phone. And that phone's going to be activated for as long as uh, you have that phone. If you, you've got a Windows mobile device uh, and you're using a Code Factory product like uh, uh, a smartphone or a Pocket PC device, a Mobile Speak Pocket, Mobile Speak smartphone, right. then you, you still have the same flexibility of, of transferring that license from device to device. Um, now, with the, the nuanced technologies, you're talking about talks, we actually have a um, a SIM-based version of Talk, so you can do the same type of thing. You can actually, um, if you get rid of your phone, you just activate it on the device. That becomes your your, your primary device. Um, most people are doing the, although we do have a few people doing the six-month plan. Uh, most people are, are opting for the 12-month program. Okay. And regardless of what program you you choose, and we've gotten lots of feedback about this as well, but for the moment. Um, we are charging a $100 administrative fee, which is spread out over the space of uh, what is effectively a, a loan period. And that's fair. I mean, you guys got to make a little something off of this, too. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, if you think about it, you do the math, $100 divided over 12 months is $8.33. And, and uh, people can afford that. Okay, at the end of it, you, you, you spend a little bit more, but you, you got to have it ahead of time. Sure. You know, and when you're when you're looking at buying stuff like this, you save for it, you save for it. There's always something that comes along that that uh, takes priority. You know, eventually. Oh yeah. You, know, you need a new water heater. Oh, there goes my tux. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's that's an excellent thing, and I I really trust that people are going to take advantage of it. I'm sure that many people have it already, but uh, I would think a lot more people would. Are there any final thoughts that you'd like? Can you give us maybe a sneak peek at something that's coming down the road from you all? Or always have to sure. ask that one. Well, you know what? I, I think that um, we're really excited about the things that are happening uh, in our training center. Uh, I've got one class that I, I can probably mention uh, because Bill McCann from Dancing Dots was just here doing his um, doing a workshop on a, a music braille translation program called. Good feel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only one in the world that does what he does, and, and it's, it's really 
exciting uh, to get a, a room full of people and, and especially blind musicians who didn't realize that this was possible and then all of a sudden see the light bulb go on. Um, we're actually looking at the prospect of him returning in June. Um, this has not been finalized and uh, doing a workshop on his uh, uh, sonar talking software. So the, um, the, 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 the JAWS scripts that actually interface with uh, the sonar software program, multi-track uh, recording software. Right. Um, and then we've got something pending with uh, a very talented songwriter, singer, uh, that can't mention at this moment, but we are working out the details of actually doing something similar with GarageBand on the Mac, wow. and and really using them, really leveraging uh, the you know the, the now they've got the Intel processor. So um, where some of the schools are requiring that you use Mac, there's nothing wrong with accomplishing the same tasks uh, by by loading up a, a Windows in a virtual machine, for example, using a program called Fusion, and having all your Windows applications and your Mac applications all on the same machine. So, um, so, so that's that's all kind of in the works. There, um, we're constantly on the move and, and looking for new products, new offerings. Um, probably one of our most popular offerings right now is the uh, portable Braille displays. Uh, in particular, the Easy Braille with HID support which is slated for release here very, very soon in the next week. Uh, however, we've got uh, quite a backlog of orders already for that particular product. We're really excited about that. And um, the netbook craze that I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with, you know, we've we, um, set up uh, netbook computers um, such as the Samsung NC10 or the MSI Win. Mm -hmm. And, man, you can get a, a killer... Uh, computer for a very little bit of money these days. Um, the Samsung NC10 has a battery life of about seven hours, mm. and you buy a um, system access Atom license for 149 bucks. Um, a uh, the Neo Speech uh, text-to-speech engine on a netbook, and you've got yourself something that just you know will work circles around a lot of the proprietary um, blindness technologies out there. And, and you know, you got your Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. You can have your word processor and email, and uh, you know anything that you can do on a computer. And now you've got it um, for under seven hundred bucks. So um, there's there's really a, a a lot of value there. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us, and um, I'm sure that people will want to get in touch with you. You mentioned your website. I suppose we probably better do that again, and maybe some more sure. contact information. Yeah, stuff's always changing, so it's a good idea to check in once in a while. Um, the, the website is www.handytech, that's H-A-N-D-Y-T-E-C-H dot U-S, not dot com. So handytech.us. Uh, um, if you have sales inquiries, you can always sell, send the email messages to um, uh, sales at handytech.us. Uh, and, of course, we'd love to talk to you on the phone. Uh, our telephone number is 651-636-5184, and from there you just follow the automated attendant to sales, training, or support. That concludes this week's edition of Main Menu. My thanks to Main Menu staff member Tim Cummings and to our special guest Earl Harris for being a part of this week's show. 
I apologize for the noisy Skype connection during Earl's interview. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. On behalf of Jeff Bishop and the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jimmy Pauls. Have a great week.